audience, welcome to the Sailor Moon Fan Club Podcast. I'm your host, Victoria L. Johnson, and I'm here with music and culture journalist and podcaster, Christina Lee. She's the co-host of the Something to Say Podcast with DJ Booth senior writer, Yo, and Boss Up associate editor, Jason Ja Lee, aka Hip Hop Obama, and she co-hosts the Bottom of the Map Podcast with Dr. Regina N. Bradley, where they discuss and explore Southern hip hop. And of course, she's a Sailor Moon fan. So without further ado, thank you for coming on the show, Christina. Hey, how are you? Hi, I'm good, Victoria. How are you? I'm good. I'm so happy you're here. Oh my god. Um, when I showed your outreach tweet to Yo and Ja, I was like, this might be the most random shout out that we've gotten so far. Because <laughs> something to say, listeners, as far as I can tell, are overwhelmingly majority male. So to have like a Sailor Moon fan Sailor Moon fan reach out was like, yes, finally yeah. my people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. I never thought of that. I um I actually have like a mutual acquaintance with Yo with Yo. So um, I had another podcast called Nerds on Hip Hop. So like we sent him one of our panels because we did it on hip hop and anime. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, so it was just like I always knew he was like an anime fan. So but I never thought of like the Something to Say podcast having like majority male fans are definitely not like nerd fans because I'm just like, oh, like Christina's nerd and like Yo's a nerd. So <laughs> why not? <laughs> Well, now I guess like, we can say that we're majority nerd now. Jaws definitely oh. more of like the Marvel comic book type guy. So like mm. anything in regards to DC, Marvel, and like the Hollywood treatment, like that's completely his bag. Um, Yo and my husband Mike, they can talk like Dragon Ball Z all day, and <laughs> they've already outlined their college curriculum. I'm just oh, lost, <laughs> and I'm sitting over here in my corner being like, yeah, like Sailor Moon. Um, I mean, I'm not even the biggest, like, anime fan necessarily, and, like, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm still relatively new to the genre, at least compared to my husband, who was in anime club in middle school and high school. I just, like, really like Sailor Moon and yeah. everything that it's inspired. I think that's fine, because there, I feel like there are a lot of people who've watched so much anime, but they never seen Sailor Moon, and I'm like, yeah. well, like, it's one of the, like, best, like, the top, most popular anime, so I'm like... I feel like you you have enough. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So, what was your first memory of watching Sailor Moon? Um, I think unlike a lot of people, or especially like the friends who I've talked to about Sailor Moon, like I was already in my thirties. So I'm thirty three right now, and I was thirty one when I started watching the show. Uh, all of the seasons were basically on Hulu, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. So my husband and I were scrolling through Hulu looking for something new to watch, and he had really fond memories of not only Sailor Moon, but Revolutionary Girl Katena. Mm -hmm. He was like, you know, I'd be down to, you know, just revisit this series. And I was like, okay, cool. Because when it comes to TV, my tastes in general tend to be um, a little bit more lighthearted anyway. So I was like, okay, perfect. Just like a fluffy sitcom to get into. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what was in store, but... (laughs) Of course, I came out from in, like, into the other side, a much better person. Yes, as we all do. <laughs> <laughs> what did you, how did you feel? Like, what were you thinking when you were watching it? Uh, my expectations were, I mean, there weren't really any, any expectations, really. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I obviously knew of Sailor Moon, and I had seen, like, the imagery before, like, of course. Uh, but I guess, number one, I had no idea that I would relate so much to Usagi and I had no idea going into this that I would even think of Sailor Moon as watching Sailor Moon any 
way as like a form of self-care because that's really how I took to the show like really um Sailor Moon was sort of like obviously it was like escapism for me but I really appreciated I guess like the balance between I guess their normal like schoolgirl everyday life and then um obviously like the superhero narrative and then like I guess what's interesting about the show is that at least for a good period of time uh Usagi in particular is like reckoning with the balance of all that I just had no idea um so my first impressions was just like oh my god here's this world that I can like totally get into and even though I'm much older than Usagi I can I felt like I can relate to the to these inherent struggles you know yeah that's so cool I think you're well I know one other person who watched it later and but it's cool that like people can still become fans of it even though they're like getting into it now because I feel like some sometimes I get scared that like I love it through nostalgia sure but but I rewatch and I'm like I still love it so like obviously I still love it but you just you never know yeah yeah exactly and I think when I talk to a lot of my peers that's the initial impression that they get and I think a lot of that has to do with how it was marketed once a crossover to the U.S. right Mm -hmm. like a lot of people when they hear Sailor Moon at least here they think of it as inherently like a kid's show and of course like that um that monster of the week type format lends itself well to like a kid's show but like Mm -hmm. Um, I found that a lot of the themes and a lot of the struggles in particular that Usagi dealt with was stuff that I could, you know, relate to as an adult. Right. So would you say Usagi was the, like, senshi you wanted to be or the one that, like, kind of stuck out to you? So, like, okay, so here's the thing. As far as, like, aspirationally speaking, like, I really wish I could be a Mars. I really wish I could be a (laughs) Jupiter. And then once we got to, like you know Neptune and I was just like oh my god these girls are so cool they're so much cooler than I will ever be (laughs) but I have to acknowledge the fact that like like Usagi's a stress eater and Mm -hmm. I'm I'm a stress eater at heart and you know she's she's clumsy and she doesn't um she doesn't get good grades in school so it's like by watching her I had to acknowledge like my own realities as a person I was like yes this is the imperfect hero I can really fuck with. Yeah, definitely. That's all me too. I'm just like, <laughs> I am definitely Usagi and I've, I'm happy with that, but I also really want to be Neptune or Pluto. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Like, who do you want to be when you're an adult? That's like, that's who it is. <laughs> exactly. This is, this is who I wanted to be when I grow up. You know what right. I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I totally get that. Um, so... I want to switch gears a little bit. Um, well, actually, since you have a podcast about Southern hip hop, I wanted to. I was curious what you think. If each Sailor Moon fan had a favorite rapper or a hip hop subgenre, what do you think it would be? Oh my god! Oh my <laughs> god! That is so crazy. Um, oh, let me think here. Who's the Who's the trap fan of the group? I guess right. let me just start there. I feel like the. Um, like the older senshis like i mean mm. i could see them being like west side gunna fans or like Rosalda. like they listen to that gritty shit because they've seen right. some things and they appreciate the throwback because they remember those years i don't know yeah i could uh, see that I could um see that. like they probably see. really love liquid swords uh, 
<laughs> I'm saying, I'm saying, oh my freaking god. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I feel like, uh, like Jupiter and Megan the Stallion get along really well. Like I, I mm. see that connection, even though I feel like Megan doesn't really fuck with Sailor Moon like that. She it's doesn't. Okay. Yeah. She doesn't. Oh no. No, she actually said it on a um. She went live on Crunchyroll, and um. One of the questions they asked was whether or not she likes Sailor Moon. She was like, she doesn't. But she said it's because she thinks Tuxedo Mask interferes too much in the fights. And I feel like she just watched, like, some of the first season and didn't finish it. Mm-hmm. So I think if she, like, read the manga or, like, finished the series, she would have a different idea. So that's, like, my, my campaign if I ever see her. <laughs> oh, yeah, her for sure, for sure. Yeah. Like, I mean, there were definitely times when Sailor Moon made itself apparent that it was airy you know what mm-hmm. I mean, that these seasons were, like, hella long, and um, Tuxedo Mass was, like, Steve Urkel, you know, entering the um, the mm-hmm. house in, like, Family Matters or something like that. It's like, oh, here we go again, you know? Um, right. It definitely uh, fell into that format a little bit. So I see where she's coming from, but then, of course, like, I mean, some shit happens. I mean, you know that. I know that. Yeah. Uh, we know better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But, um, yeah, but I could totally see Meg and Jupiter just because like they have like the tall like stallion thing going on they're fighters a little bit and Jupiter's like kind of insecure about her height initially right so I could see Mm -hmm. her turning to Megan as like a source of inspiration it's like oh I don't have to be ashamed of my height or whatever even though she's like what five foot eight like uh even still I wish even though that's not that tall yeah (laughs) yeah very true taller than me (laughs) yeah same same um I'll throw in one. I always feel like Sailor Mercury would be really into like lo-fi hip hop, just because like she studies. She's always. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like... yeah, yeah. She's always studying. I mean, I could totally see that too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you don't want. And I mean, I'm like kind of the same way. At, at least like when I'm working, like during the day. Like during the day, I like really can't do lyricism because it just takes me out of my work entirely. Mm-hmm. So like, um, for most of my waking hours I am listening to like the lo-fi beats channel or trying to find like some interesting jazz or like a Kamasi Washington or something that's mm-hmm. you know that's like hip-hop adjacent uh she could I mean I could see her even messing with like a um like a Raz G or something like that you know yeah. I could see all that yeah I could see that for sure um I'm trying to think I'm trying to like at least finish the inner senshi yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, moon. I mean, yeah, with Usagi, mm-hmm. that's that's pretty interesting because like my initial impression would be something like um, I could almost see her messing around with uh, like a like a Uzi Vert. That was my mm. first impression. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I think too like um like that not gonna say bubbly but like a no name mm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah I see that too I see yeah. that too I think all we have left is Venus okay um oh that shit that's a tricky one yeah that is this is a good exercise though thank you <laughs> I was like this <laughs> It's something I've always thought about for some reason. I don't know. Maybe because, like, you know, hip-hop fan, Sailor Moon fan. I'm just like, what would they listen to? I mean, it's kind of like that, um, 
that fandom exercise where you try to dress the Sailor Moon cast as like hype beast or whatever, try to reimagine what their fashion would be like today because right. the fashion as it was, you know, at that particular time was I mean, that was like not half the fun with watching Sailor Moon, but a good portion of the fun was just seeing what fit they had. And it's like, oh my god, the the attention to detail is like you could tell that a woman wasn't responsible for making these characters happen because even just down to like the shape of their nails that attention to detail was just like chef's kiss you know so true yeah yeah and the fact that like all of them have like different shoes too when they transform and i always thought like that was really cool yeah yeah they could have made it more uniform but yeah but at the same time it's like Mm -hmm. no i appreciate them honoring like their whole unique personalities and things like Mm -hmm. that yeah that's true too yeah so true. Yeah. Um, hmm. I'm still trying to think of Sailor Venus. I don't know. Let's see. I don't. Yeah. We'll ha- we might have to come back to that one. Yeah. But that's a fun exercise. That's yeah. definitely a fun exercise. Um. So you said you're not. Do you have you read any other anime or have you watched any other anime or read any other manga since Sailor Moon? Uh. So, if I'm not mistaken, in 2018 there was like a manga reissue right because Mm -hmm. yeah so once we caught wind of that we just started order um ordering all of the like the manga issues as they've been coming out and it's actually pretty perfect timing because um we just got the most recent one and of course we've been like quarantined uh so we've been able to check those out um like, as far as anime goes, like, I'm very, very touch and go, but one show that we're watching right now, my husband and I as a couple, um, is His or Her Circumstances, oh. uh, which I had never heard of before. Had you? No, I've never heard of it before. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so it's really cute, actually. It is about, like, a high school couple. Like, most of the first, um, I would say third, is about them getting together and, like, this blossoming relationship is sort of like um the questions the questions that you ask of yourself like once you start to become vulnerable in like your first relationship like that there's like a lot of uncertainty like this weird sort of song and dance it's like how vulnerable do you actually get does this person still like me blah 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 um so i think i would say that it's like mostly about relationships mm-hmm. but um what is what makes it interesting for the both of us is that uh it's i'm and i'm gonna forget the name of the guy but the um the person who directed it also did the Shin Godzilla remake mm. um, not the one with Brian Cranston but like the Japanese one mm-hmm. and you can see how like this all kind of falls within his distinct style like I don't know if you saw that Shin Godzilla movie but when you watch it there's a lot of like dialogue on the screen and introductions and it's actually very um, manga inspired as terms terms of it how it's like stylized and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so to see that style being translated from something that's like you know basically like a high school drama into something as serious as like Shin Godzilla like it's really fascinating to both of us yeah I can imagine I just looked it up and the cover actually looks really familiar is it on is it on Netflix um I mean his or her circumstances oh his or her circumstances uh Mm -hmm. I mean used a torrent so i I can't (laughs) i can't say for sure um but yeah if it's on there like i would recommend watching it because i feel like so far the characters are like really fleshed out and it kind of takes you back to um 
you know, just sort of navigating interpersonal relationships in high mm-hmm. school. Like, a less dramatized Degrassi, for sure. In fact, Degrassi was just, I don't know. Like, Degrassi is way too much drama. Oh, yeah. But. Were you into Degrassi, too? I mean, you kind of, I felt like it was kind of mandatory. Like, if you mm-hmm. had Noggin, if you had the end, you know, you, I mean, I was, I was totally self-absorbed. And I was totally absorbed in that. My brother was totally absorbed in that. So, yes, we grew up watching, you know, Drake. Yeah. <laughs> and we were definitely among those people that was like, wait a minute, he's rapping now? Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah. Jimmy? The, yeah. The total disconnect. Yeah, I was, I was also... Um, we had the end. I think one of my friends like mentioned Degrassi, and she kept talking about it. So I was like, let me check out the show, and just got uh-huh. completely hooked, um, and then fell off. I think um, after a, a character died, and I was too sad to continue. <laughs> so much, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. It was too much. I mean, it, there was mm-hmm. always something. I feel like in the um, beginning, there was. I, I'm strictly talking about the next generation, of course. Same. Um, yeah. There was some level of innocence. Like, I distinctly remember that scene where it's, like, uh, Drake and I think the girl's name was Ashley. Like, they were sort mm-hmm. of seeing each other, but they were debating whether or not to have sex for the first time. So, but in the end, the um, the episode ends with them, like, blowing balloons out of the condoms they were supposed to use. Mm-hmm. Like, that's relatively, like, lighthearted compared to, like, where shit would go from there. Like, after a while, shit just got too real. And I was like, okay. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> it's like shootings and <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a right. lot. And drugs, so many, so much drugs. Yeah. Oh, and scandals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but it was fun. But yeah. So what else do you stand? So you've mentioned being a fan of a few things. Yeah. What would you say you're a stan of? Um, I would say like my all-time favorite show is Daria. It's mm. one that I always sort of return back to and I would say that that's probably why I didn't catch Sailor Moon as it was originally airing on TV over here in the States it's because I I was going over to my aunt's house trying to watch Daria and in general like I really like animated series because I'm not the sort of person that looks at that associates that with necessarily like a kid series like I look at animation just like as a medium and so I really love Daria and I would say the show that um, the last show that I watched that I really, really, really loved was Steven Universe. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, like that just wrapped. Um, but I feel like that show gave me some of the same feelings that Sailor Moon did in the sense that like, here's this like beautifully laid out universe, fully matriarchal, right? Um, and at first starts off as like pretty much what you'd expect um, from this type of genre. It's like they're fighting monsters like every single week and we're watching like this um, this young hero, you know, come of age and everything like that. But I really appreciated how uh, Rebecca Sugar in particular kind of toyed around with the conventions of those genres and mm-hmm. um, refer- made some like pretty serious anime references along the way and anime callbacks. But then also by the end of it, I don't know if you watched Steven Universe Future. Um, I haven't yet. Okay, but I would say, like, Mm -hmm. if you've ever wondered how the heroes of these series, like, come out, like, after having fought and fought and fought and fought, Mm -hmm. like, I feel like Steven Universe Future is, like, a really interesting exercise and all that. It is a tough watch, I would say, but as somebody who's particularly interested in how issues of, like, mental health are explored through 
quote-unquote innocuous genres like this I thought mm-hmm. it was like really interesting and I thought it was really well done yeah. uh so yeah I would say see the universe for sure in fact all of my desktops right now are like see the universe <laughs> backgrounds just because the show was also so beautifully done and I just mm-hmm. want to like be in that world I wanted to stay in that world for a lot longer than the show actually lasted but I also appreciate the fact that like a show knows when to end like yeah yeah, that's really important because some shows drag on and that's not great. Oh, I mean, I feel like American TV in general mm-hmm. just doesn't know when to end. And that's how you get like a show like Friends that lasts for 10 plus seasons. Like, I don't right. think of 10 plus seasons as aspirational, like at all. I just feel like at that point, it's like a cash grab. Yeah, um, I think a good solid five seasons is usually. <laughs> right, 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 right. Because most good. people don't really think through like a series arc in a meaning or a show arc in a meaningful way up to 10 seasons like usually they've got to head to like the first three and then four season four is usually where you start to see them kind of rack their brains a little bit being like oh god okay we got the money to do this but we hadn't thought this far ahead so you kind of see the show jumping the shark a little bit yeah yeah i really um one of my friends with steven universe um they were really like you need to watch this this was a few years ago because mm. rebecca sugar is um a sailor moon fan and like we said like a lot of the show is based on um not based on but inspired by sailor moon so they were like you know if you love sailor moon you need to go watch this show oh for sure yeah, for sure and there's there's even a couple scenes that are um that are directly inspired by uh revolution girl lieutenant which was another uh-huh. show that i really really liked Mm-hmm. Um, it was a little tougher for me to get into, but I still really liked it. But so even seeing those callbacks, I was like, "Oh shit!" Like she's serious about her references. Yeah, it was so cool. I also love Daria. I did a rewatch of that in college, or not really a rewatch, because like I kind of it was one of those shows I kind of caught here and there, and I was like, uh-huh. "Oh, let me watch this through." I kind of had like a phase, like I went through all of Gargoyles, all of Batman the animated series, and then all of Daria. <laughs> Oh, wow. And I was just, like, going through, like, all these cartoons that, like, I never really watched from beginning to end. And, yeah, Daria is amazing. Oh, my God. It mm. is, it, it's held up. It continues so well. to hold up so, so, so well. Like, I mean, I aspire to be as fashionable as, like, the, the, the Sailor Moon Senshi, but at the end of the day, like, my fashion sense is completely, like, the mix of, like, Daria and Jane and then, like, the protagonists and, like, Freaks and so there's that mm. aspect of it all. I just, and I mean, the show, like, the critiques are still searing as ever. Like, I mean, Jody is an icon, obviously. Mm-hmm. Jane's an icon. And at, the older that we get, the more that uh, my husband and I debate is like, are we more of a Jake or are we more of a Helen? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, we recognize that, like, as we continue to face our mortality, that it's inevitable that we turn into either one or the other. Um, right. So. Yeah, I found that I'm identifying more with like the older characters too. Oh <laughs> my <things>. god! <laughs> yes, like, yes, it. yeah. I mean, Mr. D. Martino is me at Costco like all the time. See <laughs> <laughs> that? Um, and now they're doing a Jody spinoff too, so that should be pretty, pretty great. I yeah, Tracy Ellis Ross is linked to that, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm curious how that will turn out. Uh, yes, I think curious is the right word. I think mm-hmm. in general, reboots are a cash grab. Like, I generally mm-hmm. don't mess with them. But I do think 
that this particular reboot is a testament to the timelessness of the show. Um, right. So I'd be curious to see how this is an extension of that and how that would resonate in the year 2020. Yeah. Yeah, I totally get that. I think I'm just like, oh, more black people. But yeah. <laughs> but I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. And, t- and, jo- and see, Jody was tired. She was so tired. Mm-hmm. Jody does need more of Jody's on the, you know, wherever she may go. Because she, you can tell throughout the series, she was just so tired of being like this one exceptional minority, this one exceptional black girl. She's like, can't right. y'all just like, like, I don't know, be adequate for once? I don't mm-hmm. know. Like, she was tired of like, you know, having being to be the, the ex- this overly exceptional person. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, I want to talk about your podcast a little bit. How okay. did something to say come about and how did Bottom of the Map come about? Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so with something to say, it was very much uh jaw's idea so oh my god i don't know how long it's been at this point i'm sorry jaw but like yeah um see the thing is with uh Atlanta music journalists in particular is like we're always bound to run into each other like at events so we've known each other for years even if it's only in passing or whatever so like i feel like i have been running into jaw at events for a couple years prior but yeah, he approached me wanting to do like a hip hop podcast. And I would say around this time also, um, Isaac Hayes Third, who I believe is the grandson of the very singer Isaac Hayes, tweeted something about how a lot of um, black cultural events and a lot of hip hop cultural events take place in Atlanta because they recognize Atlanta to be this cultural mecca, but like, there is very there is a lack of media representation here so that was very much like a call to action that was at the forefront of our minds right mm-hmm. um so jaw had approached me and then he was like okay to balance out this cast we need somebody young because uh you know jaw and i are both in our 30s so <laughs> i i thought of a couple young people and yo yo's pretty interesting because in that um yo is not somebody who I would have recognized off the get-go because, as you know, he doesn't like to show his face, like, on social right. media and things like that. Uh, but we had known each other because he has sold me Jeezy tickets when Jeezy did um, the anniversary show for Let's Get It TM 101. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, that's how we actually came to meet for the first time because I made some call off to Twitter being like, hey, I need, like, an extra ticket or something. And for whatever reason that Yo probably regrets, like, he sold his ticket, so, um, so, he, yeah, Yo was, like, the first young person that I thought of, and, you know, we did a couple tester episodes to see, like, how this cast would get along, and it's been that way ever since, um, and then as far as Bottom of the Map, it's actually kind of the opposite story, in that Regina and I were actually kind of scouted in a weird way, uh, we hmm. appeared on Atlanta's NPR affiliate, uh, which is WABE. Uh, we were both called in to the show City Lights to talk about Childish Gambino's This Is America, and uh, the VP of radio at the time, Christine Dempsey, heard our interview. If you go into the building, you'll see that like every office suite or whatever has their radio t- dialed into the station so they can kind of monitor what's going on. So Christine is like overhearing us, and behind the scenes, WABE was already... Um, 
digging into podcasts. They had another like more investigative series called Theory Truths, but they wanted to experiment with the chat cast. And so, uh, yeah, she and Jan Barry brought us in to discuss um, doing the show, essentially. So that was a really interesting exercise because neither Regina nor I like really expected that particular opportunity, but there it was. So that's how that came to be. That's so cool. And you're in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And Atlanta means... Atlanta Southern hip hop, I feel like, means a lot to you, obviously. Yeah. Um, what do you think is the biggest misconception about it? Uh, I think. <sighs> hmm. And what I do you think... love about it? Sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> I think one of those misconceptions came up during the Manny Fresh Scott Storch beat battle, actually. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't watch this particular beat battle because I haven't been watching any of the beat battles. Like, I even tuned into the Lil John and T-Pain one, and I just realized that, like, I was literally hearing music through someone's phone, and I just got angry, and I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm probably the only person that feels that way, but I was just like, uh, I'd rather just, like, play the records here. But um, the debate over who won between Scott Storch and Manny Fresh was particularly interesting. And I think um, it came down to what these judges thought to be, quote-unquote, like, universal or more accessible or, like, quote-unquote, more um, accessible. And, I mean, if you were to ask me, like, who has had the most reach and the most lasting influence and how that was um, demonstrated through the music, like, I would say Manny, like, 10 million percent it's just that i think we take that influence for granted now Mm -hmm. um so i would say that there's still this weird feeling of southern hip-hop being considered too quote-unquote regional or um like limited in scope but i i just don't think that's true and that's really weird to say when you know k-pop stars are emulating like a 21 savage or Mm -hmm. like a migos or whatever um, we're still doing the Migos flow in the year 2020, but I feel like so often that's like still the case, and that's really interesting to me. Yeah, that's really true. And what um, is like your favorite thing about Southern hip hop? I mean, oh, that's asking a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that's asking a lot. Yeah. I mean, yeah, to be fair, um, like, I, I do listen to a lot of hip-hop from, like, across the country or whatever. Like, I love what L.A. has going on. I think mm-hmm. what Boom Bap's done right, I think it's amazing, things like that. But I think what I, I love about Southern hip-hop the most is just, like, um, like, the spirit and, like, almost, like, the buoyancy, whether that is through, like, you know, the percussion and the bass or just, like, the sheer just, I don't know. There's, there's just, like, a lot of good anthems that have come out of the South like really Mm -hmm. unfuckwittable anthems and like um yeah even if you think of like a dg yola like ankle and letta like nobody will look at that song and be like oh that was like such like an undeniable resounding success but like with the way the song hits like it's amazing how this genre that was um once cast as like the stuff of like one hit wonders or cast as like something of like a passing fad how um 
that has continued to be timeless in its own way. Um, I think Crime Mob is like a really great example of that. Like this kitty group that was once kind of cast off as like little John Sinise, um, the the last gasp of this like crunk fad or whatever, how their music has continued to resonate. I think that's another great example where like, I don't think people really foresaw the fact that we were gonna still be championing Duncan Buck as like the national <laughs> anthem. Yeah, I did not see that coming mm-hmm. at all. I remember just like listening to that in like middle school or maybe earlier. And yeah, yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, like, okay, so if if I was to pin any one aspect that I really, really love about Southern hip-hop, it is the fact, it is how crunk or, like, this feeling of being crunk has continued to evolve and manifest, like, over the years. Like, dating back to, like, 3-6 Mafia, where, like, I joke that, like, all my favorite songs are 3-6 Mafia songs, but I mean that in the sense that, like, even if it's not, like, by 3-6 Mafia, it's, like, a remake or we're still, like, championing that particular sound and, like, that particular aesthetic, because I feel like a lot of Southern hip-hop is indebted to 3-6 Mafia. Um, but, yeah, from the way the crunk has evolved from, like, 3-6 Mafia to, obviously, like, Lil Jon, so, like, Crime Mob, to, I mean, Waka Flock of Flame. Mm-hmm. Like, when Waka Flock of Flame wrote off Machiavelli and said, like, oh, that music wasn't that good, like, that shit really broke my heart. Because even though it might not have been um, what, like, Wu-Tang Clan, like, expects or anything like that, there was still, like, so much feeling and heart in that music that felt so crucial to me at that particular time, and even still to this day. And it, it saddened me that Waka didn't really see or doesn't really seem to understand how the influences continue to, like, play out. Like, I even see some of that spirit in, like, some of the SoundCloud rap that emerged like at the very beginning, you know, I feel like, um, yeah, I feel like he even underestimates himself, honestly. Yeah, I think that happens a lot, even with me. Like, I grew up in South Florida, mm-hmm. and there are like so many subgenres of hip hop there. Like, I never, um, I guess, appreciated just music for what it was mm-hmm. until um, DJ Khaled put out that song. Um, I think a year or two ago I think it was two years ago uh-huh. and I was just like oh yeah this was like a whole sound <laughs> like it was yeah. like very regional yeah I just like it was just like music that I grew up with yeah and that's yeah. the other thing like mm-hmm. when you're talking about southern hip-hop I don't think people really understand how vast the genre is mm-hmm. like when typically when we're talking about east coast and west coast we're usually pinning it to New York or Los Angeles, like, very, very specific states, Mm -hmm. and, like, we're not talking about the South the same way. Like, I feel like maybe this conversation would be a lot different if we reckoned with South Florida rap as South Florida rap, as opposed to being under this umbrella of, like, Southern hip-hop, but because we're using this umbrella term, it's, like, I think we're constantly, like, arguing, going back and forth as to, like, what it actually is, Mm -hmm. slash, like, we have um, these very uh, cursory thoughts as to what that can and should sound like. But, the, I mean, that's the reality, right, is that, like, the South is so vast that you have to talk about South Florida, and you have to talk about Memphis, and mm-hmm. you have to talk about Houston, and you have to talk about Atlanta. I mean, that's definitely the struggle with Bottom of the Map in particular, is that, like, whenever we sit down to do, like, a particular episode, we're like, okay, it's, it's almost like we're rolling out the map and like, okay, have we hit every every yeah. state that we possibly can? Because otherwise folks are going to be coming for us. Um, it's a it's a fun challenge, but it's definitely a challenge. 
Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's very vast and like sounds very inland. We have like 40, 30 years of history <laughs> to Ch- cover. Right, <laughs> right, exactly. And then the other part of it too is that like, um, I felt when you when you look back at that particular time as like Southern hip hop is sort of like coming into like fruition, it's like you're learn I don't know like try to wrap your mind around that history is like it's it's definitely like intimidating task like I don't know if you're familiar with the book uh Third Coast it's by a writer who was based in here in Atlanta called Ronnie Sarek and he was um, writing for the Alt Weekly in Atlanta called Creative Loafing but like his book is one that I reference all the time it covers as much of the south as he could have in that particular moment and it's still like a 400 page book and i'm like that book has mm-hmm. i you know what i mean it cuts off like in the early 2000s it's like if we were to try to do this again with all that we know about southern hip-hop like that is a trying task it would be yeah. a very trying task a lot has happened since the early 2000s so much so, so much. much yeah wow yeah because I mean, if it ends before even Outkast gets their Grammy, <laughs> that's like already right. Even yeah. if it's a imme- even if it's immediately after the Grammy, like mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Yeah. There's still so much ground to cover. That's oh, twenty. Yeah. That's twenty years. That's right. Twenty years. Yeah. There's so many artists, and yeah, that is a lot. Um, who are your top five? How dare you? I know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, should I tell her this beforehand so she can think about this more? Uh, cause like, yeah. uh, it's tough. Well, I think artist lists are stupid. <laughs> like, I I genuinely uh, do. Cause like, yeah. I think um, well, the art of list making, as far as like hip hop goes, is a really fascinating thing, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think um, there's like the acknowledged, like these are the ones that are absolutely required to be on that list, but like. I feel like, I, I, I don't know. I feel like mm-hmm. lists are tricky because a lot of people feel pressured. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's some peer pressure there to include like certain artists and things like that. Right. And then there's like, when you're talking about like a top five, you know what I mean? Are you talking about it as far as like sheer hit singles? Are you talking about it as far as like consistency, like with albums and things like that? Mm-hmm. Like there's all this, there's all this criteria and, mm-hmm obviously when you're talking about an artist's longevity they've gone through all these different stages you might not like every single stage and I don't know I feel like it's so subjective it is interesting it's it is interesting but like okay I mean just like your personal top five like Like, artists songs albums what rappers yeah okay how dare you um (laughs) (laughs) let's see here Um, you can choose if you want What's you know, you that? Can choose, you can choose albums or rappers or um, I don't know what would be a third option. Yeah, albums or rappers. If you, okay. if whichever ones. Okay. All right. Well, if we're gonna think about okay, so I would say that one of my favorite artists that I do find myself returning to all the time is Future. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Future's definitely up there um and then if i had to pick 
pick a favorite project of his. I mean, that's that's really really tricky. Like I really I re-listened to uh, Fifty Six Nights recently because of um, it just became available on streaming services, and I forgot just like how visceral that was. Mm-hmm. Like so incredible. Um, so Future's up there. Um, I think Migos is on my personal list, but I think um, if you're talking like, and I think. I think I'd have to submit Migos specifically because of culture, because culture was such like a titanic achievement. Um, and it's an album that I continue to like return to. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't ask Southern rap, right? It was just like rappers no, in general. Rappers okay. in general. Yeah. Okay. Got I it. Do that to you. Got it. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mentioned Walker earlier, like, it's interesting like I would never consider Waka Flocka to be like a top five MC or anything like that but like Flocka Valley like really mm-hmm. like really 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 hit home for me um same for like Run the Jewels 2 like I don't think all their albums are my favorite but two hit at a very particular moment um I really like o- Open My Eagle over in LA uh you know Megan Thee Stallion Fever um, and then like Outcast, uh, I mean, right. obviously, I feel like you have to bow down to Outcast in that sense, and you know they are a unit. I would never separate them, never mm-hmm. ever. Um, oh my God, this is so hard, so hard. Was that five? <laughs> yeah, I think that was five. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, Missy Elliott was obviously like, like a really formative artist for me growing up. Um, right. I think. I don't somehow I don't think she gets acknowledged enough, which she, I think is crazy. Not um, at all. And I not. no, she doesn't because mm-hmm. we're still struggling to like spell her last name. It's like I should not <laughs> be seeing this in the year twenty twenty. It is two T's. It is two yes. T's. Every time I spell I'm like two L's, two T's. It's simple. Just like yeah. how you remember to spell Mississippi correctly. Just right. exactly as you said, two L's, two T's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. No, that's crucial oh god yeah the fact that people get that wrong like makes my blood boil yeah yeah little things it's really really (laughs) really annoying (laughs) right 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 but yeah I mean I think a lot of artists don't get their due in general but (sighs) Missy Elliott's definitely up there yeah yes yeah she's just hit after hit but her recent album was really good and I really liked her song with Lizzo Oh my god! Mm-hmm. Right, like she's mm-hmm. still consistent with she is putting out stuff. Like mm-hmm. she's, she's still like remarkably consistent. Yeah. Who would you say? This might be another bad question, but uh-huh. who, who's your dream person to interview? Oh my god. Yeah. Um. I think for a second it was Andre three thousand, just because of how inaccessible he seemed it's weird it's Mm -hmm. like you always want the thing that you can't have right Right. and um one thing about Atlanta for at least the years that I've been here I moved here in 2010 was that for a long time everybody had an Andre 3000 story Hmm. in that they would run into him at the target um my friend's boyfriend who was a DJ had Andre asking him what he was playing which is a DJ's like like faux pas like you don't ask a DJ about his shit like while he's getting mm-hmm. his set down and it was only after the fact 
that he learned that that guy was on during Three Thousand. I oh. felt like everybody had a story where they ran into him or something interesting or whatever, and like I didn't have that story, mm-hmm. and I was so offended. I was like, I have been here for so long. <laughs> <laughs> How has this oh, not God, happened to me yet? How has this not happened to oh, me? God. Yeah. So it still hasn't happened. No, and then of course, mm-hmm. like you know, he's doing his around the world in forty days thing mm-hmm. um, with this whatever instrument he's playing right now, which I I respect it. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. but I don't think no, it still has not happened. Yeah, it'll happen. Thank you. I feel like yeah, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Um, and then since you watched Sailor Moon recently, do you have any episodes that stood out to you? Oh, oh my god. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think actually in the be- like toward the beginning of the series, it was really interesting how um, I guess the quote-unquote monsters kept popping up through like retail scenarios right I thought that was Mm -hmm. really interesting because I think like for example like I I still remember the episode where they set up like makeup counters you know oh yeah right and I think like the first I mean correct me if I'm wrong but it's like the first couple seasons kind of they seem to be meta commentary on how to like they were always like scheming on how to prey after these young women mm-hmm. and like sort of like prey on their insecurities in a weird way. It's like you need this makeup in order for, you know, whoever to think that you're beautiful. Yeah. And of course, like then Sailor Moon would then be tasked to um, destroy those evil forces. So mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. Um, the Dark Lady stuff, like. It messed me up just because I was like, I want that fit like real bad. I'm supposed to be rooting against you. Right. But she's so beautiful. She is. It's just not fair. It's just not fair. Yeah. I really want to cosplay as her one day. I think you could do it. Thank you. I think you could do it too. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I never thought of that though. It's a good point you bring up because those first few episodes are like, you need this jewelry, you need to lose weight, here's, like, this love letter I'll read you to, like, make you feel a certain way. Yeah, you know, it's like, right? kind of, like, preying on those things that a lot of people and women in general, like, feel insecure about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it is, like, Sailor Moon's, like, dismantling it. Exa- <laughs> exactly. That's right. really what had me hooked at the very beginning. I was yeah. like, oh, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and like, um, I feel like first wave feminism or whatever wave, you know, was earlier on, mm-hmm. like first wave feminism, I would say, like, would have argued that you didn't need the makeup, like would have been like, the answer would have been like burn the makeup, right? Or like, you know, right. tear the shit down, like you don't need this fanciful stuff. What was interesting about Sailor Moon to me was that like the answer wasn't necessarily to ditch all the pretty stuff like she still had her compact she still had the nails or whatever it was still mm-hmm. like good to be cute but it was part of this larger transformation to become the hero that she needed to be and I thought that was really teachable too because like mm-hmm. um I don't it doesn't it doesn't have to be like one way or the other it's all about intention right mm-hmm. yeah I think that's one of the biggest draws for me to just like 
there's like this duality you can have like you can like sailor jupiter you mentioned before like she's a tomboy but she's also like a little boy crazy and also like can cook really well and also can fight really well and it's like you can be all of these things and be pretty and be nice and you know whatever you want to be at the same time exactly yeah that, I mean, that shit had me so mad that um, about the the ColourPop collaboration. I don't know mm-hmm. if you saw that. I did. Oh, oh my god. Mm-hmm. I mean, that it got me in my feelings. It got mm-hmm. me in my feelings. The, number one, that shit sold out like so quickly, and and then I was like, two, like, do I really need pastel shadows right now? Do I really, <laughs> really need this as yeah. like a adult human being? But it, it still tugged at my heartstrings. Yeah, yeah, I was. I was luckily able to grab the palette, but I didn't get the blush. But it was very much like. <sighs> How's the palette? It's really nice. It come. It's um applies really nicely. Um, <gasps> and yeah, I like it. That's a dream. Yeah, I'm sure. Hopefully, I'm hoping they do another restock at some point. I swear. Yeah, yeah. And Pip Women just did a a thing too. I don't know if you saw that. They like released a bunch of shirts and like. <gasps> Oh God! Yeah, so that okay. was yesterday, and it's sold out. <laughs> of course, yeah. of course. Mm-hmm. But there'll be more. It seems like there's a lot of stuff popping up this year, and there's like a movie coming out later this year. So, wow, th- there'll be more. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you have any advice for anyone who wants to get into journalism or podcasting? Ooh. Um, loaded questions. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say that finding. Okay, so mm-hmm. conventional wisdom would have you say that it's important to like find a quote unquote beat. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's necessarily important right now, but I do think that you have to be in it beyond reasons like I just want to meet famous people. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's really critical. Um. You do have to do a little soul searching to figure out like where where can I get in where I can fit in like what is it that I have to contribute that the rest of the world doesn't have to contribute and that does involve you know just taking in this culture you know being a voracious reader you know being a voracious like podcast listener like really kind of taking in the landscape to figure that out I think that's mm-hmm. important at least to figure out like what will set you apart from everything else. I know with podcasting in particular, I know it's um, it's a very uh, trendy industry. Yeah, I would, I, that's safe to say. Like, I mm-hmm. think it's a very trendy industry at the moment and people are really excited and, and that speaks to the possibility with podcasts, right? Um, the fact that anybody could just really, you know, get started. Um, but I do think that in order for this hard work to be worth it, and it is really, really hard work, um, you have to land on uh, like what will set you apart, and I think that will like that has to continue to be like a driving force. Um, it's something that's gonna, I don't know, it's it's tricky. It it like whatever it is, whether it's like writing or with podcasting, it's more than just like talking or like liking the sound of yourself talking it's about mm-hmm. figuring out like what is it that you have to contribute mm-hmm. yeah that makes a lot of sense and I'm gonna bring it back a little bit have you thought of a rapper or subgenre that 
Sailor Venus would like. Okay. All right. So she, okay. So yeah. it's interesting because she is really big on, I mean, she was a pop singer, right? Mm-hmm. In a past life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like she would be all up on the trends, obviously. Fair. I see her as being like pretty savvy. Oh, I'm trying to think. I, I first thought of the baby for some reason, but like huh. I don't think that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow that doesn't feel like a right answer, but right. It, like I could see it. I could see well, maybe, it. Maybe she's a Missy fan. A Missy fan, maybe. you know. I think like with her, with like. Dancing. She's probably just, like, paying attention to the, all the things. Like, she sees mm. Post Malone and acknowledges him, but maybe, mm. like, you know, isn't all the way there yet. I don't know. I just right. be, see her as being just, like, um, just, like, a total fan of the culture. Yeah. Yeah. I take it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, so in the tsunami slash, like, 90s version, American version of Sailor Moon, they had the Sailor Moon says... PSA at the end of every episode. Uh-huh. Um, where she would just like give a PSA on like why things are wrong. <laughs> or like what you should so if you had a phrase, what would you say? Like Sailor Christina says. Uh top five lists are stupid. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> That's completely fair. Of any genre. Of yeah. any genre. <laughs> they are really hard and they're really unfair. And they are a little stupid, yeah. Totally. (laughs) I get it. It's okay. It's okay. It's a fun exercise for people, and I get it. People love to argue. People love to fight. Yeah. I think, like, it tells you, like, a little bit about a person sometimes. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, Mm -hmm. who do you love? Who do you, who who do I have to listen to to get to know you a little bit better? But I think if Mm -hmm. people treated top five lists more so as that, Mm -hmm. as opposed to, um, Oh, like, who are the, like, the best? Or, like, Mm -hmm. or coming to, like, some weird consensus. Mm. I think it'd be way more interesting. Okay. I think it'd be way more interesting. Like, here's the thing. Like, when people put Biggie and Tupac both on their list, it's like, I don't trust this person. (laughs) Because you are either a Biggie person or you are a Tupac person. You can appreciate both. But the thing is, these two artists are, like, completely different. And so if you were being honest and truthful for yourself, mm-hmm. you were only picking one. Right. I yeah. will I will fight. Like, that is, like, I will fight about that um, yeah. till the very last days. But That makes all the sense. Yeah. Well, minds are more like, what do I have to listen to to, like, know you? <laughs> but, yeah, mm. I, I, get, I get what you're saying for sure. Yeah, but yeah, but thanks for coming on the show. Um, if people want to know about why top five lists are bad, where can they find you? Uh, you can hit me on Twitter at Mina Ann Lee, and then um, the podcast again are something to say. That is S U M apostrophe N to say, and uh, bottom of the map like the Jeezy song. Oh my God, Je- see Jeezy should have been on that list too, and now oh, yeah. I feel like I I fucked up the entire list. <laughs> well, it's still there. People will know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I'm Victoria L. Johnson, aka Miss Old School with the that's Old School with the K on Twitter and Instagram. 
and you can find the Sailor Moon Fan Club podcast at Moonies Club on Twitter and Moonies underscore club on Instagram. And thanks for listening. Thanks for being on the show, Christina. Oh, thank you so much for having me.